0: If you hear me what is up everybody welcome to a brand new episode of your favorite podcast. It is the Snaggle Show. It is March 1st, 2020. Happy Baseball Video Game Release Month to all you baseball heads out there. But that is not why we are here today. We are here today to talk about my thoughts and feelings and opinions, no matter how wrong they may be, about last night's AEW Revolution pay-per-view, which emanated live from Chicago, Illinois. It was a absolutely fantastic show. We are going to break it down from the start of the pre-show to the very end and the coronation of a brand new all elite wrestling world champion. And I've got a lot of shit to say about that one because I'm not a fan, but Hey, as always, thank you for subscribing to the show on your podcast app of choice, or if you're listening live at anchor.fm slash the Snaggle Show. Listen, tell a friend. Tell a friend. Go to Twitter, twitter.com slash J. Share the tweet. Share the podcast. Tell a friend uh, that, you know, you listen to possibly the fourth greatest podcaster ever to come out of the province of New Brunswick, Canada. I can't verify that. I have no actual proof that that is the case but that's just what i'm going with uh i know it's been a long time since i've recorded a show but we're going to try to get back into doing them a little more regularly uh no real set schedule i am going to try to do one a week Uh, No real set schedule or day. Uh, Just when the mood strikes me and and I feel like sitting down and talking about something, I'm going to sit down, hit that button, uh, and here we are today. Um, So AEW Revolution, a very, very hyped pay-per-view. I know in in the few days before, Cody Rhodes actually went on record as saying uh, he feels like Revolution could be like their WrestleMania, uh, which I feel like, okay, like, you know you're hyping it up. I get it. Uh, it was a very good show. I do have uh, I, I I've seen plenty of reviews. I'm recording this uh, on Sunday morning, so I slept on it. I didn't. I I was I didn't want to record right after it was over because I felt like the the main event might have soured my overall view of the show. And again, we're gonna talk about that when we get to it. But I feel like it, it was really good. It did a really good job. I mean, here's the thing. When you're doing quarterly pay per views, as AEW is, you know, you're coming off of the last one, which was full gear. When was that? November? I feel like. It's been a while. Your quarterly pay per views, you need either a really big blow off or you need the the entrance into the next phase of something and i think a lot of people um their opinion of the show was twofold one this pay-per-view AEW revolution was universally loved on the internet Uh, I saw very few people who said it sucked Or even said anything mixed about it A very, very well-reviewed show I thought, top to bottom, it was a fantastic show It was a great pay-per-view It did exactly what AEW needed to do Which was uh, wrap up some stories, move some stories Shuffle some people around Um... But let's jump right in. So my first negative is we start the pre-show with a half-hour YouTube video. Now, if you guys did not watch it, the half-hour at the beginning of the pre-show, the the, the build-up and showing all the different feuds and stuff, that was available on YouTube. So basically for me, that pissed away the first half-hour because I sat down at 8 o'clock local time to watch it. Uh and I would already watched this video. I watched it on YouTube earlier in the day. I knew everything that was going to be in it. And the damn thing was 33 minutes long. <laughs> so really, uh, I spent the first half hour of the show not watching the show because I had already watched um watched this video. I- I'm not a big fan of that. I would have preferred and I know this is going to sound stupid, but I would have preferred a more panel-based like you've got like take a 30 or 45 second clip out of that video and show it and then get some guys together and talk about it you've got enough guys on the commentary staff now with jr and shivani and excalibur and taz uh and you've got you've got lexi nair doing interviews backstage like i would have preferred something that i didn't already see or that i didn't have the option to see and the fact that they played all 30-some minutes of it in one big shot just took the air out of it for me in the beginning. I wasn't a fan. I'd like to not see that happen again. Um, I mean, it, it is what it is. For, if you didn't watch the, the, the YouTube video in the lead-up, it was a fantastically produced hype video. It was amazing. And I get it. The point of the pre-show is to try to sell people on the main show. And, but for me, I'd already bought the main show, so I was just sitting there for a half hour like, okay, well, I'm going to get some chips and uh, sparkling water, which is what I did. There was one match on the pre-show. It was the Dark Order, Evil Uno, and Stu Grayson defeating SoCal Uncensored, which was represented by Frankie Kazarian and Scorpio Sky. Obviously, the tension going into this, is, you know, where's Christopher Daniels' head at? Is he a part of the Dark Order? Uh, is he the Exalted One? Which we knew that wasn't going to be the case. Uh, the match itself was pretty eh. I think for me, I think it's time to find a way to get Scorpio Sky out on his own. I think Scorpio Sky, his time to become a singles competitor is now. Uh, I feel like he's gone as far as he can go in this whole SCU um. Uh, Train I feel like it's time for him to break off And do his own thing The match was okay Uh, You know it was a pre-show match So you know it was You know there was a couple of of, of exciting spots And you know just some really weird things happening I mean the Dark Order had like nine people at ringside I mean they didn't I think they had uh, four But still it was It was pretty um, It was pretty crowded at ringside Then of course Towards the end, after the match was over, uh, a guy in a and a hood comes out. Oh, it's the Exalted one! Oh no, it's Christopher Daniels. Christopher Daniels comes out and and beats down, um, beats down the Dark Order. Uh, I mean, here is the thing: it's I don't know. I've said it before. I don't get the Dark Order. Um, the the, the stuff that happened after the match. Uh, oh, and I almost forgot. This shows me how much I was actually paying attention. Uh, Colt Cabana comes out as well. <laughs> Judas Breeze. Um, Colt Cabana comes out. Obviously, it's Chicago. Um, you know, Colt Cabana comes out to make the save. Then the Dark Order kind of overturns him a little bit. And then that's when... Daniels comes out as the exalted one and oh no, it's not him again. I'm over SCU and I'm over the dark order. So for me, this was a, this shows you how much I was paying attention because I'm just like, I think SCU's time has, has has come. I think it's run its course. The dark order thing. I mean, sure. I want to see who the exalted one is. They've been dragging this thing out for ages. It's about time to see, uh, to see who it was. Uh, or to see who it is, I guess, and to just be done with it and and move on with our lives. Um, So, I mean, it was an okay pre-show match. Again, you got the Colt Cabana pop. I don't think this match did anything to sell more pay-per-views. That's for damn sure. So let's move on to the main show, and another error, in my opinion. They kick off with Jake Hager and Dustin Rhodes. I mean... I guess it's an improvement from having SCU be the first match on the main show, every single fucking pay-per-view that they've ever had. But putting Jake Hager and Dustin Rhodes on first, I mean, I get it, but when was the last time Hager was in a wrestling match and Dustin Rhodes is 51? Like it's weird. Hager comes out and and like does that weird makeout crap with his wife. And then Dustin, like, slapped... He didn't even kiss her. He just smears his face paint on her later. Like, why? I mean, I get it. Like, you're trying to make it personal because Hager broke his arm. Rhodes' arm. But, like, at no point did Jake Hager's wife have anything to do with the story. It was so fucking random. And you're starting the show with this. Like, I just... I mean, Hager wins with a choke? Like... I feel like this was Dustin's worst match in AEW. I really do. Uh, There were some interesting misses in this match. It wasn't great. Um, I just feel like this was a bad choice to, to be the first match. Um... I just, yeah, I just, I, I, again, I'm not a Jake Hager fan. Um, I feel like they exposed him in this match a little bit, which is kind of scary. Uh, and what I mean by that is I feel like for someone who has not been in the ring for some time, to have them go almost 15 minutes, which is what it was, you just expose that Hager can't wrestle. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's not great, like... I expected Hager to win in in somewhat of an elaborate squash, and the whole thing with his wife and stuff. I just I didn't get it. it. It didn't do it for me. I mean, it's like maybe like a C plus match because there was a couple of good spots, and I'm glad Hager went over. But yeah, it was it was eh. The match that should have started the night, Darby Allen and Sammy Guevara on next, two of the younger, more promising, high-potential guys that they have. And basically, this is exactly what you thought it was going to be. A gigantic, scary spot fest. Um, Now, the match doesn't even officially start. Uh, Guevara's in the ring Darby comes in on the skateboard Does a suicide dive um, Now there was a really scary spot Before the match even started um, Where Guevara's on the outside On the, the barricade And Darby goes to do a suicide dive And his ankle catches the rope And he lands like face first At Sammy's feet now the one thing I really like about this because here's the thing. There were several um several botches on the night. There was this one. There was a horrendous, an absolutely horrendous Canadian destroyer in the Hager Dustin Rhodes match. But a WWE would normally just cover these things up and 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 pretend like they never happened, like on commentary and they wouldn't show. AEW, to their credit, actually showed replays. And t- said, oh, look, he got his foot. He hit his foot in the ankle. Like, it gives it that feeling that it's not as scripted as people think it is. I mean, obviously, that move is scripted. But you're not scripting Darby Allen catching his foot on the ankle or on the rope and almost killing himself because that could have been... I mean, if he catches it a little harder, he lands neck first on the floor and he's paralyzed or worse. Like, it was really, really scary. But what I like about it is AEW turns it into... Hey, this is real shit. This is, this is not fake. This is real shit. Like, they showed the replay. Same thing as they showed the replay of the horrible Canadian Destroyer in the Hager Rhodes match. Um, they show these things and they say, Hey, listen, this was almost really, really bad. And, you know, and then they play off it throughout the rest of the match. Um, but, yeah, it was a huge spot fest. Um, there there was a... Uh, Guevara hit a 630 through a table and then finally the match started. Uh, there was some crazy high impact moves. Eventually, Darby Allen scores the win with the cross ring <laughs> coffin drop. Uh, it was a fantastic match super high paced. I think the actual match itself, only went like five minutes. I think the preamble to it was like fifteen. So these guys got an elongated amount of time to show what they could do. Again, this is the future of AEW. You're talking about. Darby Allen is super fucking over uh, with the AEW fans. Um, Guevara is 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 starting to generate more and more and more heat. Again, being attached to Jericho we will do that to you. Um, but overall, this was a great match. Uh, again, the botch aside. Um, which again, I think the the presentation aspect of it did a great job of covering up. I think this is a solid B match. Um, the one thing I'm interested to see is where it goes from here. Uh, where where what do you do with Darby Allen at this point? Because he's not going to be in the main title picture um, without a secondary title, which I think is a problem AEW needs to address. Like yesterday, uh, if, especially if you're going to a second hour of T or a second day of TV. Um, you need to introduce a secondary title like right now, you know, that would be something that the likes of Darby Allen and Sammy Guevara and those guys could be in the hunt for. I don't know if you go towards like a light heavyweight title or if you just go to like a intercontinental sort of title, but I think it needs to happen, but it'd be interesting to see what they do with Darby Allen moving forward. Next up by far, not even close. Absolutely no argument. The match of the night. The AEW Tag Team Championship match between A- Hangman Adam Page and Kenny Omega or yes, between, yes, my jumpins. Hangman Adam Page and Kenny Omega against the Young Bucks. Um, this has been built up. The fr- the friction in within the elite, um, Hangman Page and his quote-unquote drinking problem. Um, Hangman Page in Chicago was massively over. Um, the fans kept chanting cowboy shit. And it was absolutely crazy. This match, this match, in my opinion, um, it went about 31 minutes. And in my opinion, probably in the conversation for the greatest tag team match of all time. If you do not include TLC matches. If you remove TLC matches from the equation, because I really think the TLC matches between Edge of Christian, the Dudleys, and the Hardys are some of the greatest tag team matches of all time. But those aren't necessarily tag team matches in the in the regular sense. They're literally just six-way matches where you know two guys win. This match to me is one of the greatest tag team matches I've ever seen. One of the greatest tag team matches of all time. It was absolutely phenomenal. There were so many huge spots and near falls. Um, there were so many moments of, of friction and storyline, you know, uh, hangman page spits in Matt Jackson's face. Um, there's the aggressiveness that, that Matt Jackson showed and then Nick Jackson trying to control him, but at the same time realizing, Hey, like the titles are on the line here. Um, like, the the Bucks just kept getting more aggressive. And then they turned that aggression towards Kenny as well. That um, they ended up hitting uh, Page with an Indy Taker on the entrance ramp. It was a bad one. Uh, Matt was too far away. Nick didn't get the springboard. Didn't really get that far. But still, it kind of took uh, it kind of took Page out for a little bit. Uh, and then Omega got, got hit with a bunch of super kicks. Um, I think there was a golden trigger in there. There was another couple of super kicks. Omega ends up kicking out. And then they start working on Omega's shoulder, which again, added to the storyline part. Uh, Then there was the table spot. Nick ends up going through a table. They hit the buckshot V-trigger combo for a near fall. And then Hangman Adam Page hits a one-winged angel uh, and the crowd is at this point is just like absolutely unglued at this point you're 25 minutes into this match and it is just intensity the whole time um and then yeah it hits a buckshot lariat and one two three that's it that I felt like the ending was kind of like eh because you had one winged angel, you had they hit the the buckshot V trigger combo a, uh, a couple times, and then just a buckshot lariat or two. I think it was back to back buckshot lariats. No, he hit it on both. He hit both Jacksons with a buckshot, and then that's it. Hits a pin one two three. It would, but it, again, the combination of the storyline and all of that. Uh, action in the match the intensity the moves the spots made this just an amazing match it's an a plus five times over then there was still more tension at the end because uh you know matt and nick kind of approached kenny and they're like hey man like we're we're sorry you know it's just a match great job and they kind of you know get back together a little bit and then page walks away and then the, the the Bucks leave the ring And it looks like Paige is going to jump the rope And hit Kenny with a buckshot But then Kenny turns around And Paige sits on the rope Um And nothing happens He lets, they just leave as the champs One thing I, I, I will speak to With AEW is it has shown That they are willing to let Things ride out a little bit I think the MJF Cody Turn, um I think they let that run a little longer than people expected. I think the, the, eventually Hangman Adam Page is going to turn on Kenny Omega. It's just a matter of time. I'm still thinking they're going to swerve this and Kenny's going to turn first and be like, I'm not a fucking tag team wrestler. I'm the greatest wrestler in the world and I'm done with you holding me back. But like, I am glad that That they're letting this play out Instead of forcing the issue But just an amazing match An amazing story, amazing action From start to finish It was absolutely insane Uh, Kudos to those four guys Because by far the match of the night Then we move to uh, The worst match of the night Which was Nyla Rose defeating Chris Statlander um, To retain the AEW Women's Championship Um, So a couple things um, I don't know why this match happened If your intention was to bury Statlander Because I think they showed that Statlander could be on Rose's level I think the commentary played that up quite well That this is a challenge that Nyla Rose blah 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 But you literally buried the only competition that Nyla Rose had Like I don't understand the booking The other part was there was a superplex Towards the end of the match Um Where Statlander put Rose's legs on the outside Of the ropes and climbed up but then They There was a super ple- Anyway Statlander jumps up In the Um In She wasn't going for the superplex story. Now I'm trying to remember how this worked because I tried to block The majority of this out of my head so, the first botch was the superplex. Statlander goes up for a superplex and kind of falls backwards. Luckily, Nyla had the wherewithal to roll through, but Statlander kind of fell awkwardly. Then, shortly after that, <clears throat> Rose was on the ropes and Statlander is going for the leg scissors takedown. And Ro- But Rose uh, grabbed onto Statlander for a powerbomb. And unfortunately, Rose's legs had been put on the outside of the ropes. So Nyla Rose is holding Chris Statlander, who's not like Reho sized. Like, you know, she's, she's a bit taller. She's going to weigh a bit more. She's probably, I would say 160, 170 pounds for sure. Um, Rose is holding Statlander up And trying to get her legs Over the ropes again to do a powerbomb And she gets one leg over And when she tries to get the second She falls down and Statlander takes it on the back of the neck There was very little Chemistry between these two Um, It was not a good showing For Nyla Rose It was not a good showing for Statlander Um, To me the women's division right now In AEW is just a, a Mix mash of confusion You don't have any clear path forward for any of your top people. You know, Britt Baker's just running down commentators at this point and can't wrestle. Uh, Nyla Rose cuts a great promo. Um, Great heel champion, but no emerging threats. Um, B. Priestley's basically invisible at this point. Um, Statlander, who, you know, again, you you bury Statlander on pay-per-view. It's been a weird twenty twenty for Statlander so far with the double booking and the no show and like it's just I I don't get it I'm not uh, there's there's a lot going on and none of it's really any good uh, this match was easily a D uh, it was forgettable um, yeah I mean the fact that it went thirteen minutes uh, was about twelve minutes too long in my opinion because it was bad uh, and it showed that it was bad. Finally, we get to uh the blow off between MJF and Cody, and <laughs> what a swerve. Um a lot of people just expected this to be MJF getting his comeuppance, and boys, oh boys, uh a foreign object punch with the dynamite championship ring, and MJF picks up the one, two, three. Um a lot of shenanigans on the outside because you have Wardlow, you had uh, Aaron Anderson, you had Brandy, who needs to decide if she's going to be a face or a heel. A lot of made about Cody's neck tattoo. Um, Twitter was absolutely loaded up with comments on the neck tattoo. Listen, it's your body, do your thing, man. But in in my opinion, it looks stupid, uh, and to have something like that come out like debuting on pay-per-view i don't get it you, you just had an action figure announced like three days ago but whatever i think people are making way more of it than they should but yeah a lot of people just thought it was going to be mjf getting the shit kicked out of it, and it was hilarious that the referee let cody whip uh mjf with the belt twice with his weight belt twice uh, a little bit of color in there too mjf got busted open Um, it was a pretty good match. I I was a big fan. I I like that the story is going to continue. It's going to be interesting to see where it goes. Aaron Anderson took a bump, took a super kick, which they were saying, uh, Tony was saying on commentary, he took the super kick right in the face. He took the super kick in like the chest. Like we could all see it. The camera angle was great. Uh, but yeah, MJF picks up the win. Uh, this is probably like a B, B plus. Um, again, good story. Uh, pretty good wrestling. Um, I do like that they did the swerve. I don't think anybody really expected, uh, Friedman to come out of this with a W and yeah, it's going to be really, really interesting to see now. Again, here's where the interesting side of, um, having quarterly pay-per-views is you really can't get a blow off now until double or nothing in in May. You're not going to do it on a dynamite. So it's going to be interesting to see how. Cody chases MJF over the next three months. Then you had, uh, Pac against Orange Cassidy. Um, Orange Cassidy at this point is the most over wrestler in the world. It is insane. Um, most wrestling purists hate it. I think it's hilarious. Um, you know, it, it was nice that that Orange Cassidy got a chance to show off a bit of his move set, a bit of what he's all about beyond um, just you know the the light kicks and the hands in his pockets. Uh, they go about 13 minutes here. I think it was a foregone conclusion that Pac was going to win because um, there's no way Pac was going to take an L to Orange Cassidy. It's just no way. Uh, but the match was great. It was uh, it was super super high paced after the the little beginning sequence. Um, Cassidy hits some big moves. Pac hits hits a couple of big moves. Cassidy, the rolling out of the ring stuff was was fantastic. I thought that was great. Uh, again, this is probably like a B minus to a B. I don't think it was a super great match, but I think it was a nice in between the, the 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 letdown of, not the letdown, but like the emotional letdown of MJF Cody and going to the AEW Championship match between Moxley and Jericho. Um, I feel like this was a great match in between. I think it's going to be really, really, really interesting to see not only what AEW does with Orange Cassidy, because I think you need to try to find some way to capitalize on him being this over. What you do with Pac at this point. I mean, Pac originally... Was was targeted to be that guy to be a guy towards the top of the card, to be a guy who you know is going to be in the title picture. And at this point now, how long can you let Pac just go down this road of cutting promos? Oh, you told me that wins and losses wouldn't matter. And I know he's not Scottish, but still, uh, at some point you got to do something with Pock. Um, does this mean that that Pac goes after the title now? Eh, it'll be interesting to see. Um but they've got to figure out what to do with Pac. And they've got to figure out what to do with Orange Cassidy too, because you try you need to try to capitalize on him on him being as over as he is right now. Finally, we had the main event. John Moxley challenging the inner circles leader, Le Champion, Chris Jericho for the AEW championship. Um obviously Santana Ortiz accompanied Jericho. Um, Hager made us run down with made a save in the middle of the match. Uh, eventually, they all get ejected from ringside in <laughs> Aubrey Edwards with the the most elaborate uh, ringside wrestler ejection in the history of wrestling. With like the she did like a crazy, almost Dusty Rhodes esque spin in the hands and, and pointing. I really hope Tony Buster chops about it on the podcast this week because it was pretty funny. Um, but, yeah, there was a... there was a Oh, and then when they're getting rejected from ringside, Guevara comes in, hits him with the belt. Um, Jericho goes for the eye. Uh, and then, finally, Moxley takes off the eye patch after pretending he was blind for three minutes. Uh, takes the eye patch off and, like, Oh, shit, he can see. Um... Moxley ends up hitting the paradigm shift and becomes the AEW world champion. So here's the thing uh, obviously, with Jericho in there, you know it's not going to be some crazy spot fest. Um, it did have that big main event type feel. Uh, there's definitely been better main events in AEW since we started. But here's the thing. This was all about the coronation of John Moxley. Um, and I have issue with that. Because I don't feel like this was the right time to put the title on Jon Moxley. I mean, here's the thing. I do know that if Jericho remains his main opponent. And we get three months of build between Moxley and Jericho in the lead up to double or nothing. That that Jericho can play the chasing heel better than any chasing heel has ever done it uh, we all know this but for me i feel like the better booking decision and again this is this is 2020 stuff we're gonna look back on this in three months and be like eh snaggle was wrong but to me the better booking decision is you have the inner circle cost moxley this match and then Moxley gets to spend three months chasing Jericho and the Inner Circle, going through the Inner Circle one at a time, and then eventually you get Moxley and Jericho in a cage at Double or Nothing in Moxley's current uh, place of residence, Vegas, where it's going to be uh, even more so pro Moxley crowd than we're used to, and you 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 you, you go that route. I just feel like, to me, again, with with quarterly pay-per-views, I feel like you would have been able to get more traction out of the whole Moxley trying to overcome you know, Jericho in the inner circle. Again, you don't get the rematch clause, so you need to have some way for Moxley to become the number one contender again. Maybe you insert Pac into the mix and you do Moxley, Pac, Jericho in a three-way, which I do think... I do think, I really, really, really think the main event of um, Double or Nothing is going to be Jericho, Pac, and Moxley. Uh, I think that would be a really interesting dynamic. I think it would be a great match. I think you got to do something title-related with Pac. I think Jericho's going to have his, his rematch. But to me, again, I just didn't feel like it was time to take the belt off of Jericho just yet. That being said, I, I am excited that Moxley's the champion. I am, uh, you know, I I'm glad that, that they did it. I just don't, in my personal opinion, I don't think it was the right decision. Uh, I felt like the end of the match was a little flat. Like it was just like, hey, here's the eye patch off, paradigm shift, and, and done. I also feel like there were some miscommunications perhaps at the at, at the end because the the after match stuff drug on forever which definitely gave you the feel that somebody was coming out, that somebody was going to debut a Lance Archer or somebody from that has history with Moxley. I really thought that was going to happen. It didn't Moxley just talks for a bit, plays up the AEW crowd and, and their great involvement. Uh, they play his music and he Moxley says, what the fuck? Uh, and then Moxley leaves through the crowd and that's it. AEW revolution in the books. Again, it was an amazing show, top to bottom. Um, there were there were a few bumps in the road, the women's match, Hager and Rhodes, um, but overall, when you when you couple one of the greatest tag team matches of all time, a compelling story in MJF and Cody, um, a pretty solid main event, Orange Cassidy's real big coming out party in terms of you know working a full match and one on one style. Uh, Darby Allen and Sammy Guevara trying to kill each other. It was an amazing pay-per-view, a great first pay-per-view to 2020 for, um, for AEW here with revolution. And now we are on the road to double or nothing in may from Vegas. Uh, I believe it's the last Saturday in may. Um, you know, now we've got three months of dynamites to see. You know how they're going to keep this train rolling. I think we've got some really good stuff. We got some big debuts coming up this month as well. Brody Lee is going to be making a debut. We've got the Double Ring Blood and Guts concept, uh, March twenty fifth. I think I said May for Brody Lee, but he debuts this month, I believe, March eighteenth. Brody Lee, by the way, formerly Luke Harper of WWE. For those of you who don't know, so yeah, I think it's going to be great. Um, I think they did a great job. Uh, we'll just see if you know if they can keep this momentum going and how how they're able to do that as we head again towards double or nothing. Um, guys, thank you guys so much for downloading or listening to this episode of The Snaggle Show. Whether you're in your podcast app of choice on Android or iOS or you're listening on anchor.fm slash The Snaggle Show, I appreciate it. Uh, I hope you will continue to subscribe, share the podcast with a friend, and all that fun stuff. Uh, again, we're gonna try to do a, a little bit more frequent episodes. I'm gonna try to do one a week moving forward uh, because I'm now, after sitting here for thirty six plus minutes, I do realize how easy it is to just sit and turn the mic on and talk. And I'm glad you guys uh, listen to this episode. Let me know what you guys think or thought of AEW's Revolution. You can hit me up on the Twitter machine, twittercom snagglej or Jump into the Discord discord Discord.snangle.club And let's talk about it Let's talk about AEW Revolution Or whatever else is on your mind But guys, as always I have been Chris Jardine A.K.A. J, And until next time Peace